This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. If you can turn to the book of Isaiah, turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, very familiar passage, um, very familiar uh, text, Isaiah chapter 6. Just before I start into the message, I just want to bring tonight before the Lord. Father God in heaven, Lord, we praise you and we glorify you. We thank you, Lord, that you're our God. We thank you that you have saved us and delivered us. You've translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, Lord. We thank you you've made a change in our lives, Lord. You've set eternity in our hearts, Lord. We praise you and we glorify you. We thank you, Lord, it is your good pleasure, Lord, to speak to your people, Lord, to feed our souls, to give us something for the road, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that through this message, Lord, you'll speak to us, Lord, and you'll encourage us, Lord, and help us. In your name we pray, amen. Isaiah chapter 6, and uh, it's going to read the first five verses. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, and two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Amen. We're going to focus really on the first verse there, on King Uzziah and on the King of Kings. The title of my message tonight is, The King is Dead, Long Live the King. Isaiah was was affected profoundly by his visions of God. He has a scope and a range and a language about God that it stands unique amongst the other prophets. His vision here of God is, is, is whenever you start to look into it and you look into the depth of it, it's it's shaped his entire life. It's shaped his entire message, how his understanding of God and who God was once he's seen God. So we start off here in the beginning of this verse with the death of King Uzziah. He was the second longest rule of all the kings of Judah. The second longest rule. We've got Queen Elizabeth who's been on the throne 64 years or so. King Uzziah reigned for 52 years, which is a good long, good chunk of time. He was a wise leader. He was a a tactician. He was a military man. He, he, He brought a bit of something to the nation. He lifted them up from where they had been, and he set them on their feet in many ways. He invaded the land of the Philistines and he he overcame them uh, mightily. He actually uh, subdued their cities. He broke down the walls of Gath, Jabna and Ashdod. Actually, that's the way they did. They knocked the walls down and then he started planting forts all over their territory. He was a military man. He he subdued them. His fame of him and his army spread through the surrounding nations. 
Even the Ammonites, which was another neighboring nation, started paying him tribute just to keep them off their back, to keep, uh, to keep in good situation with him. He fortified Jerusalem. He built mighty towers. Now, whenever I start thinking about the, reading into this scripture and reading into what the towers and that type of thing, I start to imagine movies like the kingdom of heaven and the way they had the big towers and they had catapults built on the towers. And this is what the scriptures tell us. He built catapults. He built weapons that could fire arrows. He was, uh, he, he gave this, the nation a sense of, you know what? We have, we're back you know what, we've been, we've been in the wilderness for years. You know, we've had kings and we've had people in leadership as a nation that, 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 that weren't that great. They were okay, but here finally, we've got someone to the stature of King David, someone now who we can be proud of. You know, uh, it actually even goes as far to say that his fame spread throughout the whole area, even up until the gates or up until the, the entrance of Egypt. So even Egypt, mighty Egypt, had heard of him, had heard of the nation, and were like, oh, these are, these are people we need to keep an eye on. So the nation, once again, had a stability. It had a footing. It had a, a sense of, I was going to say, a sense of gravitas. You know, it was no longer just blown around quite the way it had been. It now had a bit of a, a firm foundation. You know, we've got, we've got a government now and things like that. So we, we struggle sometimes when we try to translate uh, at the length of a king. Yes, the Queen Elizabeth has, has been in queen for a number of years. But in those days, to have a queen or a king, I should say, who was in power and he held the full reins of government and actually commanded and set state policy and set, you know, whatever taxes and, and whatever things went on in the nation, the king was the one who dictated very much so what happened in, in many of the, the major cities anyway throughout the, the land. So here was a king who was wise, who was certainly, who was a military man. He built fortresses throughout the wilderness, wherever the vineyards were, he would build a wee sort of tower, a garrison of some sort with men to protect what the nation had. And the nation could then start to go, ah, it's okay. We're not going to get overwhelmed by the next big, big bit of wind that comes rushing through. We've got a wee bit of stability. You know, when I thought about this, I was thinking actually of, of Russia. You, you know, it's not that many years ago when you can think of the, the, the talk of the big bread queues in Moscow where people were queuing for bread and they were, the, the ruble was in the toilets and, and the nation was in poverty. And now look at Putin. We love him or hate him. But look, at he's lifted the nation in a sense and it's, in a sense, Uzziah has done the same thing. He's given the nation a sense of belonging, a sense of here's our position in the world scene. I think this is something we can all relate to, especially being from the north and our desire to stay part of the United Kingdom is a sense of oh, we're going to be a global player for a wee while longer. There's going to be something about us. Oh, the fourth biggest economy in the world. Oh, we've got the fourth biggest military budget, fifth biggest economy. Oh, this is great. You know, we can understand, understand how a good leadership and good rulers set the pace or the tone for the nation. We can understand that. It's a natural desire. It's a natural thing to understand. Uzziah had a mentor. He had a man who was, came alongside who mentored him because he came to the throne when he was 16. So obviously he was, wasn't, well, wasn't all that well equipped for leadership. But Zacharias came along who was, we, we don't know really an awful lot about him. He was some sort of godly man. He was a priest or a prophet. He, he never prophesied or, or wrote anything, but he came along and it says that he could understand the visions. He could understand the word and he guided him along. And while Zacharias was coming along beside him, he was guiding him in good way. 
He was leading them in, to go through the, 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 the religious motions, if you put it that way. I don't think personally that Uzziah was a great religious leader. He certainly wasn't like a Jehoshaphat who led a, a, a reformation of the nation and turned the hearts of the people back to God. He wasn't quite that. He went through the motions, I'm sure. He did a wee bit of, you know, okay, it's feast time. I have to be seen at the temple because that's a state occasion and here we have to go. And he went to the temple and he did what he had to do and he went through the feasts. And the reason I say that is because he, he actually fell into the same sort of error that you've seen King Saul fall into. If you remember back King Saul, remember King Saul was told to wait for Samuel to come along the prophet. And he said, right, Samuel's late. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the sacrifice now. I'm gonna offer the offering and I'll do it. And he went and did it. And of course, Samuel appeared and said, you shouldn't have done that. Well, Uzziah did the same thing. He went and he went ahead to offer the offering or to offer the incense on the altar. And he was opposed by Azariah and 80 priests stood up to him. Now, you have to take your hat off to these 80 priests. They stood up to the king, the military king, who probably had a, his entourage, stood up and said, no, you're not allowed to do this. You can't do this. And of course, he pushed his way forward because he was a proud man. You know, and that's the problem. We, we, you can become proud whenever we start to have things going in our way, when things seem to work out, when I'm living on a wee bit of a successful high, we can get that wee bit of a sense of self of self-worth, of self-achievement, of self-gratification, of self-glorification. And he did that. Uzziah pushed his way forward. And it says that God touched him in the forehead. I almost could picture God's hand coming down and, what do you think you're going, son? You know, I'd put it in Belfast terms. Touched him in the forehead with leprosy. And that was it. He ran out of the temple, almost never to be seen because he couldn't be seen by people. He couldn't go to the temple again. And he lived in seclusion for the rest of his life. But he was a big man, he was, a, he was a, a great leader, but he had fallen into the same problems and the same pride. He had gone the way of uh, so many before. Here in Isaiah six, it says the year that the great King Uzziah died. It doesn't say great king, I'm putting that in there. The year that Uzziah died, he was a king of strength, of power, of cunning, of leadership. He was, a, he was a, a wise king in worldly terms. He understood things. He understood, obviously, economies and stuff because he protected what they had, what they traded with. The king who had reigned for 52 years, the second longest serving king in Judah's history. He had given the nation a sense of stability and continuity. It was once again respected and feared by its neighbors. It's no longer a punching bag or a doormat as it had been. Idol worship was on the drop and the worship of God was on the rise. Everything seemed to be going well. And here he's died. The death of the monarch, death of the king. You know, it's something that we, again, we would struggle to understand too, too much. If, if Queen Elizabeth passed away or when she passed away, it'll be a national event, no doubt about it. Uh, especially, you know, and it's great reading, you know, obviously her comments on her faith. It'll be a national event, but in those days, can you imagine? The stock market would collapse. The price of the dates would go through the toilet. The olives would go, you know, who do you know? The neighbors are gonna come in and invade us next. You know, and it's easy to understand looking at life and looking at even the kingdom at a time. It's understand, easy to understand how we can equate or how people in those days could equate success and achievement in worldly terms. 
Because we can do that as well. We can equate success with numbers. We can equate success with what we have actually done and achieved and ticked off the box. And Uzziah, in many ways, you would look at him and go, he lived a successful life. See, that's a, that's a, that's a product of materialism. Materialism, which tells us, permeates all aspects of society, tells us what you see is what you get. What you see around you, what you have in the bank, what you have at home is achievement. That is what you equate success to. Here Uzziah has lifted the nation, no doubt about it. He was a big king. He had done a lot. He had achieved things. Materialism tells us that he was a success. The problem with materialism, it leads to people being very materialistic. Look at, look at society. Everyone equates success with what people have. What people have. I have things, so I am successful. I have done things, so I am successful. Is that really the standard we should be living to? Is that really what we should be wrapping our lives around? This even permeates the church in so many ways. I'm not necessarily talking about our church, but the church in general permeates it where people equate success with numbers. Success with the, the, the amount of broadcasting it does, with the amount of impact on the, the, on the culture and on the, the towns and the cities. And those things are good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not meaning they're not good. But if that's all that we gauge success by, what are we going to do when we don't have it? What are we going to do when the king dies? What's going to happen to our world? Are we going to start questioning everything? It says about Eve, Eve seen that the fruit was good. She's seen that it was good. There was something visual there that she could equate that, oh, look, it's nice, it's shiny, it's, a, it's the perfect Tesco shape, you know, it's, it must be okay. But we have to live it by a different standard. Look at things a little bit differently. We have to wrap our understanding of success in a different way. So as the nation mourned the death of King Uzziah and the state funeral was taking place, the prophet had a vision that superseded and caused the other vision to fade. Glory to God. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Praise the Lord. The earthly king was dead, but the heavenly king was very much alive. Judah's throne was empty, but the throne of heaven is occupied by the king of kings and lord of lords. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Isn't it nice to know that he never gets off his throne? Isn't it nice to know that he never takes a break? That there's no end to his succession? His rule is eternal. His throne is always occupied and he's always on it. Isn't that wonderful to know? Doesn't matter what happens in the street. Doesn't matter what happens on the throne of England. Doesn't matter what happens in our parliaments or our MLAs or whatever. Because God's still on the throne. It's nice to know that we've got a bigger vision. We have to have a bit bigger vision. We have to have that sense of eternity with which God has given us, God has placed in us. We have to have that, a vision for God. The throne of God is an eternal throne. The throne of God is high and lifted above all earthly thrones. The throne of God is a throne of power, of glory, majesty, justice, righteousness, grace, and mercy, and on and on and on. The throne of God is a mighty throne so much more important to us it should be than the thrones around us, the thrones that we see every day. So amidst all the, the tragedy and distress, he had a vision of God. There he was. God was on his throne, the Lord of the morning. 
to the natural things were suddenly plunged into question. Would Israel or Judah, sorry, still be strong? Would the next king be godly? Would the nation survive? Would there be a civil war, a war of succession? You know, for, to a degree, Judah in the southern kingdom enjoyed a bit of the promises of God in the sense that, you know, God had promised David that his seed would be on the throne. So for years, the kingdom of Judah for as long as it lasted, it always had a son or a grandson, someone of the seed of David, whereas the northern kingdom had different families. Whoever was the most powerful got into the throne. But Judah enjoyed a little bit of that promise, a little bit of that protection, the blessing that God had promised to David. So all doubts had evaporated in an instant at the sight of the Lord on his throne. You notice every time in scripture when you read about a vision of God and a vision of God in heaven, you see him on the throne. You don't see him running around weeding. You don't see him pulling out the weeds in the gardens. You don't see him painting the throne room. You don't see the angels rushing around and dusting. You don't see him putting another lacquer of veneer over the throne. You don't see any of that. You don't see any decay. You don't see any falling apart. You don't see any, any question, any doubt, any, any, any consequences of sin. You don't see anything like that. It's perfect, unblemished peace and reign and rule. It's wonderful to know that. We need reminders in our lives as believers. We need reminders of eternity. We need to remind ourselves that we need to look to God. We need to look up beyond the things around us, beyond the Uzziahs around us, those things that we equate as successful, those things that we would say, that's a successful person there. I'm successful because I'm doing that there. We need to have a vision that's bigger than that. We really do. Because troubles come and troubles, troubles come to all of us. We all go through stuff, as we heard this morning. Things come along, storms come along. And what happens when our, when our, our boat is, is in trouble? What happens whenever our king dies? What happens? Do we fall apart? Do we question everything? Do we, do we go, oh, that's it, I've had enough of this. I put all my hopes and all my dreams and everything I planned into that one boat, and now it's all gone. Is that it? Materialism? Is that all we equate our, you know, I'm successful for God because I did this, you know? Is that it? You know, I look back over last year and the number of times I spoke and I look back at the year before and I go, you know what? I spoke more last year than I did the year before. Is that success? Do I equate my success that way? It doesn't matter. It's all about getting in contact with God. It's all about lifting him up. It's all about glorifying him. It's all about lifting him up in my mind so that I've got something that I can look up to. I've got a throne that I can look up to that I know will not change. I've got a throne I know, that I know that no matter what happens to any of my achievements in, in my work or in my life or in my friendships or my wherever, that I know whenever those things, if they collapse and they might collapse and they might fall apart and they might die, but I know that his throne doesn't change. I know that no matter what happens around me, that he's still on the throne. I know that I can face any trouble and any trial that comes my way because he's still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's what we need to fill our minds with. We need to fill our hearts with that. We need to lift our eyes up and see the throne, the King high and lifted up. Reminders, we need to be, have the long view of our lives, keep eternity in our minds, and we'll better understand those things that we're going through. 
will better understand those things that happen to us if we keep eternity in our minds. Sometimes things happen and it's only years later when you look back and you go, ah, it's okay. <laughs> Uzziah might have died, oh, but God had a bigger plan. Oh, praise the Lord. Something might have happened and I had everything planned on that and I thought that was it. But you know what? It fell apart. I was heartbroken. But you know what? God was still in control. God was still on his throne. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. It tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 8 to 10, talks about Abraham went out not knowing where he was going, but he sought a city whose builder and makers were his God. He sought something eternal, something that was going to last. City of God is stable, peaceful, powerful, prosperous, and all the rest. It's worth looking for. It's worth seeking that every day in our lives. Something that's going to last, something of eternity. We're meant to be people that are different. We become so obsessed with time, and it's okay to do that. We live in time, but we have to have that eternal vision, that, that vision where we're looking beyond those things that we're going through, those circumstances that happen to all of us, and look to God. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer in John 17, says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So we will encounter opposition. And if we only ever look at time and what we have and our vision of what success is and trouble comes against us, we will crumble. But Jesus said, we're not born of this world. As the old preachers used to talk about, um, we're born from above. We've been given something of God. We've been adopted into his family. We're citizens of the, of the heavenly kingdom. Our eternal dress, address has changed Praise the Lord. Glory to God. It's good to know that we have that hope, that we have that, that assurance that it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what goes on, that God's still God. You know, I, 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 I can sense, you know, when I thought about this, I could, I could understand the nation in such a state of mourning when the king had died. You know, the distress of it, especially the Middle Easterns, you know, how they wail and they, they mourn, professional mourners and stuff. You know, imagine everyone running around and, and with black on them for, for and ash, ash cloth and whatever way they did it in those days, because this is obviously a different point in the Bible. But you can imagine that. And here Isaiah is going like, oh, this is terrible. I was at the temple. I remember Uzziah. He grew up with Uzziah, under Uzziah's reign, always known. It's all he'd ever known. And here he's passed, passed away. And he's see beyond the temporal. But it's so, so hard to do that sometimes. In Mark chapter four, Jesus gives the parable of the sower and the seed. And in verse 19, he says, talks about the seed that was, that was sown amongst thorns. And it says, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. These are people who have heard the word. If we want to bring it very, very New Testament, these are, new, these are church people. It said that the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world and the lust of other things, it's easy to do that. Those things come in and choke what God has done in us, choke what God wants to do for us, wants to do in us. We have to be careful. C.S. Lewis talked about... Uh, um, 
an analogy. He was talking about explaining to people how we are eternal, how that God has done something. He has made us for eternity, not just for time. We have become so obsessed with time that it's, it's almost a cult in some ways. We've become so obsessed with right now. And, and the, the, I even heard someone talking on the radio recently, and they were talking about the obsession with youth. And it's okay to be youthful and look young, but society and culture and movies and everything is so obsessed with youth. You know, if you, you don't have to go back too many years and you think of the mature actor and the mature movie, and you know, I don't, I don't mean mature in any other any other sense, rating or anything like that. There, but you know, someone with a bit of a storyline and a bit of, you know, there is a maturity with something to be respected and something to be honoured and something to be, you know, like in America they call them senior citizens. You know, it, it was, there was something, you know, there were people, wise people, you know, but we've got a society you now that's so obsessed with with time, with you, staying young forever. C.S. Lewis, he, t- he tells the analogy. He says, talks about man and women. I may have mentioned this before. He talks about how people are so obsessed with time. You know, we're born at a certain time. We get up at a certain time. We have breakfast at a certain time. We have school time. We have home time. We have dinner time. We have homework time. We have work time. We have play time. We have time. We have time. You know, we see someone we haven't seen in a while and we go, oh my, hasn't time flown? Well, look at the size of, of Christopher's getting big now. My goodness, that time flown since he was knee heights and off and running around with his wee watch on him. I can't even remember the name, the Par Ted, Ted or something. Uh, <laughs> you know, hasn't time flown? You know, and we all, why do we talk so much about time? We're surrounded by time. We live in time. C.S. Lewis actually says it's, it's, it's bizarre, really. He says it's like a fish that is continually surprised at the wetness of water. So all we've ever known is time. All the fish has ever known is time. Unless, unless we're made for a timeless place. And eternity is a timeless place. We're made for something bigger, something greater. And as we come into this week, you know, we can get wrapped up in time. But I want to I give us something. Let's think of eternity. Next weekend, we're, the churches are putting on this great event. Uh, I've, I've talked to a couple of people in, in Banbridge about it. It's a great event. You know, it's a great, but it's not about time. Yes, it's about a, a weekend, but it's about eternity. It's about doing something in people's lives that will last. Something of eternity. And that should be something that marks us out as different. We have to evaluate success in different ways. You know, I've, I've praying about this event and even in the, the prayer meetings and stuff. And I said, you know, praying for the, as everyone else has, I prayed, you know, God, thank you for what you're doing in your church, stirring us up as people of God, stirring us up in, in, in a cause, in a, in, a, in a mission, planting in us a desire to reach the lost. It's good to see it in all the churches. It's good to see that, the desire to do something and evaluate, for us, we have to evaluate things in light of eternity. Because it's only in eternity's light that we'll understand the many things. Our society's got many things right now that's coming up, I believe, over the next few years that are Uzziahs for us and they'll pass away. It doesn't take long to think about maybe the anti-abortion laws, the marriage laws, things like that, which will fall, which will change. It's a matter of fact. It will happen eventually. And the church will all mourn, oh, Uzziah has died. 
Look at what society's happened to it now. It's so sad, and it is, it is, don't get me wrong. But you know what, we have to have a bigger vision than that. We can't be the ones running around saying, oh, the, the heathens are taking over. We can't be the ones running around saying, oh, this is it. It's all going to hell in the handbasket. We have to be the ones saying, ah, but there's a throne in heaven that hasn't changed. You can change any laws you want to this land, but there's a throne in heaven whose laws doesn't change its laws. There's a God who's still a God, who's still King of kings and Lord of lords. We have to have that bigger vision of life, bigger vision of eternity, and keep that in our minds. We have to be marked by it. To have, think, see things in light of eternity. Even our own lives, own personal lives, and the way that we serve God and where we, we serve God in our churches and that type of thing. We can equate success in certain ways. We have to have a different vision, a vision where we look to God, look to him. And I know of a pastor who had a church. It was a you know, medium-sized congregation, 40, 50 people. And he poured his life into that church. And he did outreaches in that church. And he had youth in that church. And he seen the church grow. And they had a building program. They did things. And they poured his life into that church. He preached Sunday after Sunday. Prayer meetings and midweeks, whatever. They did, did it all. Went around, met people. Talked to people. He poured his life into it. Studied, prayed, sought God. Seen him do it for years. And eventually the church closed. He stopped pastoring. And the church closed a few years later. Now we would look at that and we would go, my, he was a failure. Sad the church isn't there anymore. And it is, it is sad. But whenever you look at things through the light of the lens of eternity, you see a number of other churches throughout the whole area that now have solid congregations who are serving God and who are still going on in their faith. Now for that pastor, that's a heartbreak. He's done so much. But the truth is, in God's kingdom, he, he evaluates things and does things in a way that we can't, that we, we struggle to understand. But he does a permanent work, a lasting work, a greater work, because he's got a greater mission in mind. He's got a greater, greater vision in mind. See, the earthly throne might fall away. Uzziah died when the church closed. But you know what? He still has a vision of the king on his throne in heaven, high and lifted up. Oh, you know what? That heals any wounds. That heals any wounds that pastor goes through. God is a good God. God is a good God. He, he evaluates things in the, on the long term, on the long view. The light of eternity is bright and it is a revealing light. It reveals the, the truth about what we go through. It exposes it when you look back and you see things that you've experienced, things that have collapsed and you have maybe placed your hopes on it, your dreams on it. You thought this was it and it didn't work out. It's the light of eternity that then you can look, you can look at it and go, you know what? God was doing a bigger work. God was doing a greater work in me. He was moving me on. He was shaping me. He was leading me further, leading me deeper into the things of God. He was working on me to make me into the man or the woman that he wanted me to be. See, he's working on a, on a different time scale and a different way of thinking that we work on. People came to Jesus and they often questioned him about, about things and, and he went, you what? You know, they, they, they challenged him on, on uh, remember the, the Sadducees came to him and told him, asked him about the, the man who's married to a woman. 
And then the man died. And then as the law went in those days, the, he, the woman then married the brother. And then he died and then married the next brother because the law was that you would pass her on and, and you would still try and raise a, a family unto your brother who passed away. And they passed on seven brothers had married her and seven had died. And the Sadducees tried to catch him out because they didn't believe in eternity and, uh, and living after death and all that type of thing. So they were trying to catch him out. And they said, whose wife is she going to be in heaven? And Jesus said, you do err not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. See, we look at things through a small mind. We look, look at things through a finite understanding of time and of eternity. And through the scriptures, God speaks to us and it widens our mind. Through his Holy Spirit on the scriptures just exposes us to things and concepts that we are not familiar with, that we're not exposed to in our daily lives. We need to think of things in light of eternity and have a different view of those things around us. C.S. Lewis again wrote a book called The Great Divorce, which I've got here before me. And it's a great book, absolutely fabulous book. He tells of a story of a bus that comes from earth to heaven, really. He doesn't quite call it that way, of course, with his artistic language. And he talks about earth as a place that is passing away, and he's going to a place that is eternal, a place that is passing away is a place that is like a mist. And the place that is eternal is a place that is solid. See, Uzziah represented a place that is of mist, a place that is passing away, a place that is fading, a place that is so temporal. And the king on his throne represented something eternal. It would last forever. And I just want to read a passage of this, just a small passage. And he's, talk, he's explaining everything that's going on to do with your experiences that we're going through right now. Sometimes they're going through in our lives, experiences that we don't understand, that we might be struggling with. And he says, that is what mortals misunderstand. They say of some temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for it. Not knowing that heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even that agony into a glory. And of some, some sinful pleasure, they say, let me have this and I'll take the consequences, little dreaming how damnation will spread back and back into their past and contaminate the pleasure of the sin. Both processes begin even before death. The good man's past begins to change so that his forgiven sins and remembered sorrows take on the quality of heaven. The bad man's past already conforms to his badness and is filled only with dreariness. And that is why at the end of all things, when the sun rises here, that is in heaven, and the twilight turns to blackness down there, the blessed will say, we have never lived anywhere except in heaven. And the lost will say, we were always in hell. And both will speak truly. So we have that sense of eternity, that vision of God. Something eternal and permanent is what God represents. Those things that we go through now are working in us a far greater weight of glory. The apostle Paul often spoke of it, you know, I've learned to abound and I've learned to be abased. That didn't mean that he just merely tightened his belt. It didn't merely meant that he, I, I know how to eat well whenever there's loads of food and I know how to 
eat you know, carefully whenever there's not much food. He wasn't talking about that. No, 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 no. See, if we're thinking temporally, we'll think those ways. But if we think eternally, we'll understand that his vision of God on the road to Damascus changed his life. Changed his life because it didn't matter what he went through whenever he seen God on the, on the road to Damascus. It changed everything. Changed everything. So whenever we go through things now, just want us to remember eternity. Keep eternity in your minds. God is unchanged by the death of something in your life. He's unchanged by the, by the ending of something in your life or by the storm that goes on. He's unchanged by those things. He remains the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He remains King of kings and Lord of lords. There's no greater authority. It says there that his, his train filled the temple. It filled the temple. There was no room for anything else. His train filled the temple. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, dear God in heaven, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord God in heaven, that you have placed eternity in our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for this vision, Lord, of your throne, high and lifted up, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we can appeal to you, Lord, in our storms, in our circumstances, knowing, Lord God in heaven, that you're unchanged, that you're still King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you, Lord, for your hand in our lives. We thank you for your leading, for your guidance, Lord, for your provision and for your protection, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this week, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in us and that you'll lead us through, Lord, all those things that come against us. Lord, we praise you and we glorify you and we worship you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.